was pretty brutal. It was a good life lesson. Like I built a very thick skin and learned a lot about people. Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Barrier, the show that delves deep into the minds of the world's most talented musicians. I'm your host Kevin Hennessy and today we have the pleasure of speaking with one of my favourite musicians in the whole country. We'll discuss her early beginnings as well as her journey in the music industry thus far. The inspiration behind some of her classics, plus her latest release, Abigail, Towers Gov Nothing. I tried, Emma, I tried. You nailed it. Plus, I'm sure we'll have a bit of crack along the way. Not only has she won awards, but she has won the hearts of the nation. Friends, without further ado, it's the wonderful Emma Langford. Wow. And the crowd goes wild. Emma, Emma, Emma. (laughs) Emma, welcome to Beyond the Barrier. Thank, Thank you very much for coming on. How are oh, you? It's so nice to be here, Kevin, in your virtual space. Um, it is. It's yeah. great to have you in my virtual space. Is this episode two? Episode number two. Oh my goodness. Yeah, you're one of the first people I asked as well to come on because why Why wouldn't I? I you know mean, what I mean? I'm very privileged. I'm very privileged. I'm, I'm also privileged. How is life? Tell That's me everything. That's um, Oh, everything. Okay. Everything. Well, um, today I have three bowel movements. Um... <laughs> I <laughs> uh, life's good. Life's good. I am in the middle of a couple of very exciting creative projects, which are all perfectly synchronized with my own vision and passion at the moment, which is women in Irish history and mythology. Yes. So I am currently um, gearing up for a show on the eighth of March. I don't know when this podcast comes out. Actually, uh, it'll be Friday, so that is the third. Perfect. Or maybe the fourth. Well, either uh, way, yeah. either way, the show is on the 8th of March, so it'll be before that. Amazing. So, um, yeah, I'm gearing up for that. Where it's myself, Wallace Bird, Nina Hines, uh, Soprano, Celine Byrne, um, uh, Ashling McGlynn, who like does kind of spoken word stuff, Don oh, Kenny, class. kind of a pop folk songwriter, spearheaded by Emer Noon, the National Symphony Orchestra, um, just an insane team we're all going to be on the stage on the National Concert Hall on the 8th of March doing a big show in honour of Grania Whale Pirate Queen so yeah so we, we've all written new work about Grania um, so I've been working on two songs that I think having read like I've got a pile of books here in front of me um, there's so my list my pile of books like Kerry Folk Tales Women of the Revolution 100 Women of Limerick Wild Irish Women Pirate Queen by Judith Cook Defiant Irish Women Tending Bridget's Flame Through Her Eyes like just a pile of books about women in history and folklore and uh, I've been reading them kind of obsessively for the past three years trying to draw things out of them that inspire something but mostly with a focus on Grania Will because that's been my big project um, so I've wound up with two songs that I think capture two very different sides of Grania Whale's personality. And I'm going to be singing them live on stage with the National Symphony Orchestra on the 8th of March. So That's pretty awesome. It is pretty awesome. I'm very excited about it. I'm terrified, but I'm excited. Um, Don't be terrified. You'll be grand. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It'll be it'll be great crack. Like that's It's, the it's what thing, you do, in fairness. You do it, it well. Is. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, it's what you do. 
Um, so that's the current thing. And then I'm working on a couple of collaborations with the local Polish community on uh, something for the Polish Arts Festival coming up as well. I'm working with the local French community for something for the uh, Bastille Festival happening in Limerick. And all of those things around the kind of the intersections in our worlds and societies that are formed by kind of elemental goddesses and women and the kind of the the figures that these kind of I don't know incredible strong kind of women that have been key and core to these kind of movements around our, our countries so um so yeah that's it's it's all very exciting and empowering and energizing um when it's not exhausting so yeah yeah fair, that's a very fair point but i mean look we can't wait for that that's really exciting mm, yeah so got um i've got a kind of a project at the moment a project album i'm calling it it's not the next album it's a project album so it's the birdsong live in studio album that it just recorded over the course of a few days in a limerick studio with my two buddies alec and hannah um, they are fantastic people they are, the they really they're, are. Oh, look, they're amazing mm. they really really are yeah, they've been my, my left and right hand man and woman for the past, geez, six, seven years. Um, ever since I started making music, really, in a professional capacity, they've sort of been there in some, some way or form. Uh, so to have kind of a live in-studio album that captures the sound of the three of us on stage is really fun. And we've tried some new things, and we've actually taken two songs off of my first album and reworked them. And oh, them okay. Album. Yeah. I think Do we get an exclusive as to what they are? you're going to be very happy actually about what other songs there yes um okay that's good yeah and will it flow like a full live album no no so it's i mean it is they are tracks you know they're, they're, they're the hope is that they will it will they'll function as individual tracks as well because i i love i love a good concept album i love some of the flows but at the same time in the current climate you know people are streaming and buying a track at a time a lot of the time so i, I you know and attention spans are a lot shorter than yeah than sadly as well so which is devastating because i you know when i started out recording albums and making albums i was like I've, i'm gonna always have like a concept and like it's gonna be all about listening to the album from start to finish and like you know i've got to honor the artist's vision and yeah i still believe that but also <laughs> want to sell albums so you know um, so do you think track listing is less important these days then no I don't I really still strongly believe in the flow of a record and like the energy and like if someone does so this album is going to sell as a physical product first and foremost brilliant so people will put it into their car and they'll listen start to finish and then I'll go digital with it but the first the first thing is a physical thing so you know I'm, I'm always going to prioritize uh, the flow of the tracks and kind of what makes sense because I don't want if I'm listening to a record I don't want it to suddenly go from like oh, I'm really mellow and like in this real floaty out in the middle of the sea kind of zone to like ah we're angry now and oh my god we're having a party and what's happening so <laughs> you know yeah so I mean like even even if I'm listening to an album for the first time on Spotify or Apple Music or whatever I'm using that day because I have both for some stupid reason mm. I will always listen to it how it's supposed to be heard as in yeah. intended by the artist absolutely every single time because that's why it was laid out that way and do you listen to an album over and over then oh like yeah in that order yeah to an extent but then I will shuffle okay yeah but I'll still listen to the whole thing yeah there's certain songs you'll come back to because there's something in them that kind of like for me I call it like it's like a little brain tickle like yes. some songs have a certain sound in it or a certain like I'm listening to Gemma Hayes um, latest album on title quite a bit at the moment uh, when I say quite a bit I mean over and over again non-stop like on repeat non-stop brilliant um, but there's one song I think it's Making My Way Back 
is the song I've been listening to in specific in, in specific I'm very good at English um, in particular because there's a moment at like 3.14 where something weird happens in like the left I'm going to assume Carl Odlum mastered or produced this album because he's really into funny little panning tricks so for anyone listening that doesn't know what that means it's when someone records a song um, and then in the mixing process they send one, one sound to one ear and another sound to the other ear and sometimes they do this funny little trick where it wavers between ears um, I love that feeling no, I'm I'm here. Oh, good. Are you there? Yeah, sorry, you you froze, and I was like, "This is this is the thing that happens." Um, it's okay. I used to have another podcast uh, with a Limerick fellow, and mm-hmm. we always blamed his internet. So I'm gonna just say it's the same thing for you. <laughs> Great. Probably is though. <laughs> um, or or I I just stand still, like really suddenly sometimes. Yes, that is that's what it's true. Look, there she goes again. Is she f- that was actually really good, Emma. That was Thanks. that was very impressive. Thank you. I'm actually an actor. Um, but yeah, so there's this one little trick in in making my way back by Gemma Hayes, where at three fourteen you hear this little kind of percussive sound. I can't figure out if it's percussion, like a cowbell, or that she's like muted the strings and is plucking it. But you can hear it, in one, and like so, I'll come back to a track like that all the time because I want to yeah. hear that little thing that tickles my brain. But I love listening to an album in order over and over again it's so soothing 100 percent. and like i mean i obviously like everyone i'm sure i create playlists and i create you know that kind of thing but mm. i'm very much an album purist as well yeah and and look the art of a good playlist is really something as well like you know you get certain playlists and i've done this myself like a fucking three hour long playlist where and you know realistically not everything on there is gonna be quality it's just kind of an egalitarian everyone's welcome kind of approach and that's lovely and you know that's great but there is such an art to a really good playlist yeah do you know i mean like my commute in the morning is about an hour Mm. so i have a playlist that's like an hour and 20 minutes that it's stuff that i definitely want to hear in the morning you know and then i have another like everything playlist that I think is uh, like you're talking it could be like five hours long that like pretty much anything I want to ever hear is just going to yeah. be on this playlist yeah but very much for personal consumption like yeah oh, absolutely I, I I would not put it on in front <laughs> of other people just because I mean like, I don't believe in guilty pleasures with mm. music because I think like if you enjoy the music you just enjoy the music yeah but still I mean I wouldn't be wouldn't be like displaying it in, in public <laughs> yeah like I got to a point last year because you know obviously when you've got like your Spotify wrapped in your Apple Music replay or whatever like I was keeping an eye on that in like September October and there was a couple of songs that I was like I need to like I need to stop listening to them for a while and I need to you know start putting like cooler stuff just yeah. because I knew it's going to go public so you know it doesn't have to Kevin you know you know they're not going to come know, to your house I, then I feel <laughs> left out you know what I mean I get FOMO <laughs> But there. look, and it wasn't Harry Styles because like uh, no one should be ashamed to listen to Harry no, Styles because he is no, awesome. I'm glad to see him in Slane. My biggest, I- oh, are you? I'm so yeah. Is that a wet leg are opening for him there? Aren't yeah, oh, and inhaler. I'm so jealous. It'll be amazing. Um, my biggest issue with sharing any of those kind of wrapped things is most of what I listen to in terms of streaming is crap I have to learn for weddings. 
Ah, so people okay. think if I was to share my rapt a lot of the time, people would think I'm a very romantic soul and that I listen to some incredibly cheesy shite. Like what? And Give us an example. Oh God. Um By Your Side No, that's great actually. Shade is By Your Side's a great song. Um I'm trying to think what was the main one. There's a couple of songs from Nashville that I had to learn for weddings this year. Um and just just some very and also some weird kind of hymns and religious songs that I absolutely would not by my own choice listen to it's just that I have the only way I can learn songs is just hyper fixate like listen to them over and over again nice I do that as well just mm. like if I get a song that I really like I will literally have it on repeat to learn the lyrics yeah and then they never ever ever leave which mm. is great as well like so yeah. that, that that's always because they're always in there which is great yeah uh, emma should we take everyone back to the very beginning of i suppose not like life because you're quite small then but <laughs> let's say kind of to you know a, a, your earlier years uh like music where did that all come from um so i actually met the devil at a crossroads oh and God. i i was I actually it. i was only like four um yeah. so it was actually child exploitation at the time is very ethically uh, granted it's the devil so it's fine <laughs> Uh, you know, like no one's gonna, you know, no one's gonna give out. Oh my! No, because the devil come on. Uh, no, I was. I think my parents kind of, and my sister, my older sister as well, both uh, exposed me to musical theatre quite a bit when I was a kid. So that was my main interest as a child. I was always on stage. I was jumping around doing cartwheels, dressed up as a clown, or dressed up as like a nineteen forties marching band member, or you know all these ridiculous little costumes um so i was in stage school and then my parents would have like the best of abba and the best of um with garth brooks a bit at home as well elvis enya um and then all the normal kind of music influences that filters in like spice girls and all that kind of stuff but like nothing really i think ever appealed to me as a kid as much as musical theatre did like I loved it okay yeah yeah my sister and I used to do duets of like the songs from Phantom of the Opera and Les Mis um, and Disney as well so Disney you can't beat a Disney thing. no you can't so I listened I was I loved Tumbelina when I was a kid and I was sitting in the sitting room one night watching it and singing along with the music of it and my mum popped her head in the door and she was like was that you or was that the TV and I was like oh, can I sing and uh, yeah, kind of realized from there, and then and then it was just it just became a second language to me. Singing was just always ha- what I did. I just never stopped to to it to a really annoying extent. Like really, like I got expelled from play school. Nice, that's I, impressive. <laughs> they uh, the teacher kept giving me instructions, and instead of taking the instructions, I would just sing them back to her. Ah. Oh. Yeah. You sound like a treat. I mean, I'd mm. say that was that was amazing for the teacher. Oh yeah, I'd say. But in fairness, at least you could sing, because it would be worse if like you hadn't a note in your head. Yeah, so. true, true. Um, I just had no concept. I I wasn't, you know, I wasn't deliberately bold. I just loved singing. I didn't understand why this was a bad thing. So like, in uh, in primary school, I got put out. So you know the way like stupid kind of punishment for children at a young age was to be put outside the room. So I was five or six whatever and I don't know what I, I spoke at a turn or something 
and I got put outside the room and <laughs> then I had the acoustics of the hallways of a good old Catholic school so didn't I start singing my head off the top of my voice I got oh, brought amazing. back inside the classroom pretty quickly <laughs> so I could never send her out there again <laughs> she's not allowed they learned their lesson but yeah no it was just, I, 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 I can't say it was ever a thing of like I was a kid and I was like I'm gonna be a star or like yeah. you, know, I, you know I wasn't a, a feckin' prodigy by any stretch of the imagination I just loved music I just loved singing and it was just how I got through the world, I suppose. So, and did your parents are musicians? Yeah, so they both played guitar a bit, like just at sessions. You know, not like in any professional capacity. My mom attempted to play guitar uh, on stage a couple of times in her youth, um, and didn't didn't quite work out. Like there was this one story she tells where she was playing at some kind of like an open mic thing at a community hall. And there was no Lovely. like monitors on stage or anything like that at the time. Herself and her friend are either side of the stage playing guitar. They both start the song at the same time, but in different keys. <laughs> and <laughs> keep going through the song the whole way through in different keys. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's, I think that's probably about as close as my mum has gotten to, <laughs> to a gigging career. I wonder who was in the right key. Mm, maybe neither. <laughs> or both. Or both, yeah. <laughs> in different worlds. Oh, well, that's great. So you're kind of always just around music. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. Like, my mom was always kind of encouraging me to take up the guitar. She tried to put me into violin lessons and all, all kinds of stuff, and I just didn't. I was, look, we know now what ADHD is. <laughs> back then, back then it was not something that people spotted in girls. So I could not sit still. I could not focus. I was up. I was moving around. I wanted to talk all the time. I didn't understand why I had to sit still and learn this instrument. You know, now it's a bit clearer what was going on yeah. but um, yeah my mum was trying to get me to play the guitar for a long time because she played guitar and I didn't want it because my mum did it so it wasn't cool yeah exactly it's not no. cool if your mum plays it yeah so uh, it was junior cert before I really needed a way to procrastinate <laughs> a way that my parents would somehow allow so I took a sudden miraculous interest in the guitar uh, picked it up and was like mom will you teach me a few chords here on the guitar and that was the beginning of the end the beginning of the beginning as Maybe. well though that that's brilliant no that's yeah. really really cool and then after kind of leaving start junior cert then leaving cert you went on to study in the university of limerick yeah so i actually took a year out first so nice i ran away from home for a year and became a street fundraiser and um then like a in inverted commas a chugger is that yeah, what yeah. yeah I was a very high ranking chugger <laughs> um, I was like you know like top boss like chief chugger yeah like you know that we have to get through different bosses in games like I was oh, like, yeah. the big boss nice um, no one could get away from my wiles <laughs> my charm do you have three or I would have spent a cup of coffee every week Um, so yeah I became one of them for a while and then how I was that for a year uh, that was for oh god I was with them for about seven months I think I left school to go do that I yeah. left, went out of leaving cert straight into that um, got charmed by another chugger on the street who was like do you want a job I was like yes I do um, so I went off and did that and I was really really good at it and thought it was what I was going to do for ever and then got very disillusioned by the world and very broken by very very long days on the street yeah because they're kind of like money. 13 14 hours aren't they very very long days yeah you get out of the house at 7am 
out into the street you don't get off the street until you've signed up x amount of people like so you could oh really it. yeah it's it was very very tough oh um, i thought it would have like it was almost like, like just you know voluntary you go do the hours you want to put in no it's a paid job um or it was the company i was working with now i think is gone but um yeah it was it was pretty brutal it was a good life lesson like i built a very thick skin and learned a lot about people and about how i work um and made some lifelong friends through it people i'm still friends with you know so that's that was pretty cool but um yeah i went from that into retail which is also brutal um i've done retail once it, like it was grand but it also i wasn't there during christmas so like mm. i think i i managed to escape luckily yeah i worked in a i worked in a children's toy shop um which i will not name uh but it, it just the culture in there wasn't great and they kind of treated the staff like children a little bit which was had like a, like they had like a, a book where you get like points Oh yeah, I've been in places like that as well. Mm. It's like, yeah. oh well, well done, little adult. You're doing Kinda, so yeah, good. Well yeah, done. Which I've never responded well to. So. <laughs> um, got out of there. I went into hospitality, and then eventually went back to school. So I, um, I had applied for the course in music in UL, uh, before I took the year out, and then I deferred for the year. And then when I realised that I would like to be educated again. I went back to school and uh, got back into it and did a four-year degree in voice and dance in UL and still didn't think I was going to be a professional musician yeah. the entire time. That was never, never crossed my mind. I was going to be like an event organizer, a curator, literally anything else. Okay. Mm. And what happened then? Uh, I guess you can't get away from who you are. So I kind of just became more myself nice just through life happening i um i had a project at the end of so i was really fascinated by like the way we use our voices and having lost my voice as a kid so when i was about 12 i nearly lost my voice to vocal nodules and had to retrain and had to learn to breathe properly and had to fix a lot of really bad habits i used to talk like this like this was my voice all the time as a kid again turns out probably autism <laughs> is what brought that about but um I uh, so I had to yeah to relearn a lot of behaviors and then in college I wanted to explore that and look at how the voice is used and what it can do and our capacity as human instruments so I wound up doing a project around that and I actually wrote a couple of songs to explore that with and kind of started to realize that songwriting was something I really actually enjoyed doing and performing was something I really enjoyed doing and sort of threw everything in the kitchen sink at it and then stripped it back to just singing and I was like actually maybe maybe this is what I want to do after all um and then we had another project at the end of college where we had to honestly I was just kind of getting I was trying to get out of the harder version of my final year project so I said I would do um a recording project instead oh okay yeah so I had a couple of songs that I I could kind of just you know throw out there and turn into something i rallied a gang of musicians around me somehow got them to go into a studio with me and we recorded two tracks and then we went up gigging them because why not with yeah i mean a bunch you, of you put the practice in why not well, this is it yeah so we went up on I, w I went into like these open mics and stuff and um was playing covers outside cafe i actually really wanted to be a, wa <laughs> a waitress i really wanted oh, to really? be a waitress yeah um 
don't I, like I think I had this notion in my head of like a real bohemian lifestyle where I would live in an apartment in the city and be an artist and work in a cafe and wear a pencil in my hair and make friends with the customers and it would be slightly a seedy weird place that I would work but you know I'd be the quirky artsy one that worked there yeah. and I just I just had this notion in my head of how my life was going to look and it never ever was this <laughs> like, don't give up on your dreams I mean if you work hard enough you could I can go back to being a waitress get, get rid of the music once yeah. you've completed that mm. you can finally fulfill your dreams of being a waitress thank you okay I'm yeah. sure you can do it that really means a lot Kevin thank you you're um, very welcome it's so, like it's such a I don't know where I really don't know where I got the notion that this was going to be what my life and even and as well I think I had a notion in my head that waitressing would be a handy gig and then having done hospitality quite a bit then in, around that time I wound up working in like the college bar in a couple of other bars in the city in a hotel oh my god the respect I have for people who can stay on their feet who can smile patiently who can remember all the orders who can actually deal with all these different kinds of people all day long I like music is a handier gig <laughs> I was a waiter for I was a waiter for about a year and I was really good at all of those things apart from remembering the orders mm. so you know like the minor detail of actually getting the right food to the people yeah you know the key the key thing really that you need to be able to do in your job yeah I I wasn't great at that <laughs> I failed at that miserably actually for a long time I'm so forgetful and it's outrageous like I'm surprised I actually even remember to come on here today <laughs> It's, it's terrible like it's so bad I've, like my phone is just alarms and there's like if you went to like scroll through the alarms that I'd set on my phone because they always store yep. there's probably like a hundred different alarms for like the most random times with the most random labels yeah I'm the exact same exact same it's terrible yep. it's terrible sure but look exactly <laughs> Um, you, you said you, you were dancing in college as well was that yeah. a bit of crack or was it a <laughs> Um, it was a weird one because you had to, you know, when you have to do something versus opting to do it. Yes. So all the dancers had to learn to move and all the movers had to learn to sing. Um, oh, so everyone had to do both? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry, I got that jumbled up. Yeah, the, the singers had to learn to dance. And the, anyway, you, you get what I mean. Um, and then you could specialize in certain things um, and drop certain things. But there were some things that you had to do for the full four years and... I just I'm not a ballerina I was yeah. not built to do ballet and I don't want to be judged for that you yeah know? of course I don't want to be assessed on my ability to do ballet when I never wanted to do ballet yeah I mean especially like because what we would have been like 19, 20 I was yeah yeah like I mean if you've never danced or, I mean I've never danced before if mm. I went to college at the age of 20 and someone said right you have to do ballet I, I, I can't dance I don't yeah. have any like movements mm. you know what I mean yeah I've like I've, I danced as a kid quite a bit you know I was in you know stage school again I was quite an agile mobile kid but like ballet is not a free flowing <laughs> type of movement something it's, you can just pick up no, at the age of 20 a like yeah physical skill and a, kind of your, your bones form a certain way yeah life and then you're expected to be able to turn your feet out in all kinds of mad directions and lift your leg over your head and yeah. stick your arm up your arse. You know, with all this mad stuff, like, I just, I couldn't. I believed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's the, the, the really tricky movement in ballet, yeah, I believe, yeah, that yeah. particular one. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I struggled with that. And I think it was kind of, it felt for me like I was, it was an imposition. 
basically. I was like, there's a lot of stuff on this course that I would really like to give my full focus to. And now I have to go and spend two hours in this room with people who are very good at this and really want to be here. Yes. And I do not. I don't want to be here or do this. So that was, you know, and I know, you know this, you know, part of college is that, but it's just, there's a limit, you know? Yeah, of course. Um, so it just seems very bizarre that, like, I mean, if you flip the other coin, like, I mean, dancers who may not want to be singing, yeah. it, it just, it almost seems like it's a waste of resources. Yes. You know, it should have been split. Like, that really yeah. should have been split in two. Look, the course has changed now. It has actually evolved, and it's now the BA in Performing Arts. So, and it's it's a different, so you don't have to, your cert no longer says BA voice and dance. So you don't have to have done voice and dance. Okay. Now it's a bit more lenient, I think. Um, and I do. I am glad to have learned a certain amount of it, like yeah. the, the the vocabulary around it and the understanding I have, the respect I have for people who can do it now. You know, it's it's very very difficult and physically grueling and all that. But I shouldn't have had to do it for four years to understand that. You know. Absolutely. Do you think you've taken a few elements out of that to your performances these days? No. You know what? I have. I do. I do move on stage more now. Um. But I think that's more about just becoming more comfortable in who I am and comfortable in my skin, comfortable in my body. And doing a dance class does not do that. Mm -hmm. Like, I can tell you that straight away. If you're not comfortable in a class and your lecturer doesn't understand that you're not physically comfortable doing these things, it actually makes you feel worse about yourself. I'd say it's the, I was going to say it's probably <laughs> the opposite. Yeah, I'd imagine yeah. so. So I had a couple of really, really great dance teachers. I will say, like, there was some really, really brilliant tutors on that course. But... um there's always going to be one or two that just make you feel like a big clumsy oaf and uh, less than for not fitting their kind of ideal but like what's that saying it's like judging uh, what is it like a, an elephant on its ability to read a book or something or judging, judging yeah or judging a fish on its ability to climb a tree kind of thing. yeah yeah you know what i mean like it's it's ridiculous mm, yeah so yeah it was kind of frustrating but you do you learn a lot about yourself and your limitations and your boundaries through these things i suppose you have to find a exactly. silver lining and then so is that where you started kind of your solo gigging then is that kind of when you like kind of after that you started saying right let's do a few more gigs and let's do yeah, a few more gigs yeah so i went into this i was recommended to go into this open mic night in town a place called the wicked chicken which is now sadly closed the wicked chicken the wicked chicken i like that great spot great spot real dingy kind of dark um that's what you want quirky artsy crowd that would just go in it was very open-minded there's all kinds of stuff you know there's a lot of people that played at that open mic are still on the scene doing their thing um this guy came in and did like looping um real elaborate kind of like with full like a desk kind of situation brilliant and then there's me just sitting there on a stool with my guitar and then there's a band called los paddies de las pampas who are like trad latin <laughs> like oh, real nice. cool mix um poets all kinds of stuff so I went in there and I started just blasting out a couple of tunes, giving it a go. And I was encouraged from there to sort of engage with the crowd a bit more, like and yeah. do a bit more banter between songs and stuff. So I started, started kind of learning my microphone craft there, got to know how crowds work and what works and what doesn't for me. And yeah, so uh, from there, then I was encouraged to go and play a gig cobblestone jokes which is also closed i have the touch of death <sighs> on venues that's what we're learning here <laughs> don't book me I, I feel bad for that i feel bad for the <laughs> wild theater and <in> greystones <laughs> r.i.p um, <laughs> so 
so yeah I just I kind of wound up like just upping and upping my game and and building a sort of a stronger platform people started to come to gigs to see me like as opposed yeah. to just being there and me being there people were actively seeking me out which was really nice um I got a residency at a church <laughs> yes that's the dream <laughs> I wound up being like the musician in residence at the church on campus in UL which was really funny so people nice. would come along to mass to hear me Sometimes. oh wow okay that's when you know you've you're doing something right when people are going to mass to see you i know you know what i mean like yeah it, so that's impressive mm. yeah i'm not a particularly religious person myself but it was a nice little yeah. gig and uh, oh yeah it was and especially like church churches always sound great yeah yeah there is that and it was just a nice way to be singing you know and yeah. to keep doing it so yeah that was kind of that was the the start of the snowball and it's kind of just you know without going into detail beyond that too much it was just kind of you know then people start to book you for support slots and then yep. you're sort of building your support slot um, repertoire and then suddenly you have a full gig of work and then you've got a cd and then you're doing your own thing and it's you know it's that's that's kind of um that's how it went okay bye bye Emma. Yeah, that's how <laughs> actually how i first encountered you was you were supporting bioga in the grand social in mm. like what was that 2016 17 2018 18. I told you my memory is shocking. I think it's, I'm going to say 20,000. 20,000. 20, 20, <laughs> 20, it was 20,000. <laughs> wow. Uh, 2018 it would be, yeah, because I uh, had done Germany at that stage for the first time. So. Oh, yeah, Germany. The Germans love you. What's the crack with that? I mean, it's understandable. Thank you. I don't know. It's awesome. Yeah. How, how, did, how did that, like... Did you get booked for one gig and then I got booked for this tour. So I I had done I run a podcast called The Limerick Lady. Go check it out, everybody. The Limerick Lady. I'll leave it in the description somewhere. Yeah, the the last episode was 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 me with Wallace Bird uh, talking about the upcoming show we're doing actually. Um, so yeah, I was running The Limerick Lady in 2016, and I booked Neve Dunn from Bioga to talk on a panel that I was running. And uh, we just started building our friendship, I suppose, around then. She had done a tour previously in Germany called the Irish Folk Festival. And uh, the way the Irish Folk Festival works is they'll bring four acts over together and they'll do kind of a, a night with all four acts, a quadruple header, I suppose. Oh, nice. Um, and you'll tour for a month with this. So um, it's intense. You're on a bus yeah. every day going from town to town and... I um, was a lot fresher out of school then than I am now. <laughs> um, so I still had, I had learned German in school. So I still had a bit of that and I was able to brush it up. Also, my brain was younger and <laughs> more malleable. So I was able to brush up on my German <laughs> much more easily then than I am now. Um, so yeah, I wound up on stage every night in these various towns and I was the only act on stage that actually spoke German. Okay, brilliant. On this very, like, these rooms sat, some of them, like, a thousand people. So this was my... Oh, so these weren't small gigs? No, these were oh, wow, okay. gigs. Huge theatres. Bigger venues than I'd ever played in my life. Yeah. And I'm there, on stage, on my own, playing my little songs, and then saying the Kupla Fuckle off the in between songs. And uh, people just appreciated it I think yeah and definitely good impression so the following year I said I would go back over myself just book a tour on my own back um and I just cold called a bunch of venues and when I went out that time a few heads that had come to the German folk festival the Irish folk festival tour uh 
came along to those shows too. Aww. And then a photographer that had been on the Irish Folk Festival brought his friend along. His friend is the husband of my now booking agent. So Brilliant. They, yeah, they came to one of my shows and I was it was shortly after my grand uncle Eamon had died and I had written The Winding Way Down to Kells Bay and I was touring that song just live. I don't think I'd recorded it yet. And I was talking about it and, and Dirk, the husband of my now booking agent, came up to me afterwards and he was like, Oh yeah, you know, my wife and I we often go to Ireland. We we have a holiday home there. I don't know if you know this place, Kahar Savin. I was like Stop the lights. Sorry, what? Like, out of nowhere, this random German man in Köln comes up to me, like, shortly after my granduncle has died, I'm touring a song about Kahar Saivin, and this man's like, do you know this place, Kahar It's like, what the, what, who are, what's happening? Is the, am that's, I being punked? What's going that's on? That's actually ridiculous. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we connected, and uh, I wound up working, signing with, with those guys as my German booking agents, and... I've had an ongoing relationship with Germany ever since and it's been really, really wonderful. Um, I think, I don't know, Germany's industry just works the way the industry should work, where you go over, you play a gig, people see you, they like what you do, they buy your CD, they tell your, they tell their friends, their friends come the next time. Yeah. They buy CDs, they'll give them to someone else. They'll bring their friends the next... And your your audience just grows like that and it's, <laughs> it's the way... I mean, it, it is the work. way it should be, yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, and they also just have a great grow for Irish music over there. I can't believe that guy's from. Car- he has a house in Carrick's Ivy, though, it because weird, it was so weird. And they, uh, yeah, they know a load of people that my granduncle would have known, and like, you know, random, very weird. That's like that's giving me goosebumps because I obviously I know the story of the winding mm. way down to Kells Bay, and that's just giving me goosebumps. Do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about kind of how the song came about? Yeah, so 2018, I was. it was the summer of 2018, and a lot of things were happening at once around that time. It was, I think, uh, 2018 was the year that Dolores O'Riordan died as well. And, um, yeah, so my parents and I went to visit my grand-uncle Eamon in Carisavine, in well, Kells Bay specifically, down down the road from Carisavine. And uh been meaning to visit him for a while and finally got there and I was like right I'm taking a break from my job for this week I never take a break I never put my phone down you know I never just sit on a beach and read but the sun was out Kells Bay is the most gorgeous little beach the sun was splitting the rocks I was like I'm just gonna chill out read my books have a bit of fun hang out with my granduncle have the chats it'd be great and he wanted me to go to this sing song that happened in the corner house up in Carisavine and the sing song was I think he maybe set it up with one of his friends and it was kind of designed to promote and uh, what's the word um, celebrate local music songs okay, yeah. of the yeah. area kind of thing so people would come along and sing various songs Boys the Barn the Shroda like not just of Carisabine but like the surrounding Ivara Peninsula sort of songs so people would come along and they'd have the songs off by heart and they'd get everyone singing along and stuff and it was a nice way of just yeah kind of sustaining maintaining local lore and local song and I was invented, invited to go along and I really didn't want to because I didn't have any local songs I don't really play trad and I felt like I was an absolute intruder but <laughs> my grand uncle insisted and he wanted me to meet all of his friends as well he had some fabulous fabulous friends that play music so eventually this week in 2018 I went along I 
made every excuse under the sun not to sing until eventually I could make excuses no more and I was forced to sing and I sang a couple of my own songs and then I just sang harmonies with other people and there's some lovely little videos and photos of that night where oh, no Damon is sitting in the background smiling away proud as punch at me being involved in the gang and that kind of thing um, and Damon and myself would sing as well and he had a little golden bell he was the MC for the night so he would ring that bell to tell everyone to cune us and uh, pointed at whoever was next um so yeah we had we had we finally you know we got to visit him we went to the sing song all that stuff and then the next day uh just oh, like fucking of course uh Eamon had a massive heart attack he went into the water down in Kells Bay he'd often go down for a swim um his house is like a yellow house on a hill and then down the road this real winding road down to the water uh, he would walk nearly every day and go into the water for a dip he lost half a lung when he was younger so anything to kind of clear out the lungs and you know breathe the fresh air he would do so he went down there and he'd go into the water and yeah just very hot day very cold water and half a lung you know it's not going to help and he was a good age as well so he had a heart attack and we lost him then a couple of days later and in the obviously we had a funeral and on the day of the funeral I sat in his house his house had like one of those wrap around windows that you look out on the trees kind of thing and so I was sitting in 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 the window basically uh, looking out and started writing just wrote down everything I could think of that captured the essence of this place and the people as well that were his friends and his community that kind of really took us in do you know you arrive into a community and it's very easy for them to you know they're grieving as well and they're they're, they miss their friend and they didn't really know us that well like we didn't visit as often as we would have liked to uh, and when we did we often just keep to ourselves we're not very extroverted people but um <laughs> uh no they, they they kind of they they'd gotten to know us and yeah they really minded us so i wanted to write something to give to them i suppose so um i wrote that song it's a timeless and, song yeah well it's gotten that response all right yeah yeah like it i mean it could have been released 50 60 years ago could have been released last year and what i really love it is like it, it does a, it, i feel like i'm there in mm. that area like and I, I've never been there but I, I feel like I have from listening to the song because it, it's just it's it's almost magical people have connected with it like it's in a very straight like I went to Belfast before again before I'd released it I went to Belfast and I was playing it up there in the Dunkern and people were coming up to me afterwards kind of people I wouldn't like you know people in Belfast from Belfast were like oh yeah. I'd never heard of anyone like singing a song about Cara Savine before we used to go there every year for New Year's or like random random connections people had with the place and then brought it to America to Milwaukee Irish Fest and people were like you know I've never been to Ireland but I really feel like you know hearing that song I feel like I was there it's like that's really nice like it's lovely if you can do that that's kind of what you want to do with music with art with anything is to bring people somewhere else and to put what's in your head onto a page yeah mm. like I find like because your gigs for going back to that like I always find your gigs are literally like an emotional roller coaster like you have <laughs> laughter you have you know almost like a battle cry mm. and then you have the winding way down to Kells Bay which is you've got the emotion at the start when you tell us about that but then you're kind of just like you're drifting off then mm. you know but also very very present I must yeah. stress that <laughs> and then everyone falls asleep yeah and then everyone falls asleep and then Emma <laughs> takes so everyone's wallet and exit then for like 45 minutes <laughs> <laughs> and then you play your mouth's uh, trombone or trumpet oh, whatever it is yeah uh, but no like, I, like 
I love that. I love that you have like the, the entire range of emotion in your game. Well, that's life, isn't it? Like, I feel like if you're, you know, I'm not, a f- I don't, I think I'm slow to call myself a folk artist. Or Notice a, I have not said the F word once. Yeah, and I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, because, now granted, folk, folk is a very broad term and, you know, so many things can be folk, but I feel like as soon as I put myself into a genre, for me, this is my feeling, it detracts from the ability to tell a story however I want to tell it. If I feel that a song or story would be best served by singing it in the style of rock or in the style of Americana or if I want to write a pop song, I'm going to do that because if that's what if that's what I need to do to tell the story the, like in the way that's most true to me, then that's that's just what I'm going to do and Exactly. It's still going to be quality you know i'm still yeah. i'm never gonna gonna shirk on quality and like i love writing songs that like linguistically challenge people i like to introduce new vocabulary to people if i can um and and not get lazy with language because that's something that bothers me with songs when people get lazy and kind of yeah. dumb things down a bit but yeah i don't know i think i was always really um self-deprecating about my how all over the place my music can be because I can't I can't really like if a lot of folk purists be like you're not folk a lot of trad purists would absolutely be like you're not trad um and even like my bookers now so for Germany and for America my bookers no longer have me in the folk genre oh really okay that's good like the songwriter genre because I'm not like I'm not any one thing at any one time. I just that's the thing. Like you're not, and you're like you're not a singer songwriter. You're a singer and a songwriter. Yeah. You know, you're not you're not a folk artist. Like you're an artist. Yeah. So I love that. Like you don't fit into a box, and that's awesome. It's a nightmare for anyone trying to promote me. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? Like once, I mean, just go see an Emma gig. Honestly, if you're listening to this, just go, and then I'm you'll an realize you are an entertainer. Though that's the thing, because you've got like you've got the the kind of the the chatter of a folk musician mm. to an extent of that which is like I mean it's awesome I love that at a gig there's nothing worse when you go to a gig and someone just plays song after song after song yeah leaves comes back says yeah. hello plays two more songs and is gone again yeah you know I don't like I want to know why you're singing this song what you're singing it about like that's for me that's what a gig like that's half the fun at a gig mm, yeah I'm the same mm. I mean look I know there's some people that will go to a gig and be like ah oh, will they ever shut up like just play the songs there, everyone has a, uh, looks for a different thing from a show but you know yeah. try and try, I, th- I think with my social media presence with everything I do it's very clear I love the crack like, I you love do crack. love the crack and I am so prone to word vomiting like I am going to overshare and you just have to live with that I'm sorry you're gonna learn everything about me in the next two hours I don't care what you came here we might not hear any songs I mean it's definition no of leaving it all on stage it's <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. And I love it. I wouldn't change that. And I'm glad you don't. I'm glad that's that's what you do. <laughs> because like it's an experience. You know what I mean? It's it's so good. Yeah. Um and then so I suppose if we're looking at your latest release then, Abigail. Mm. Go on, give it a go. It. Don't make me say it again. Tell us Hovnutin. So close. So close. So close. Can you say it first? Hovnutin. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, like that's not bad. Yep. Uh, the trick with the my my keys player and longtime collaborator Hannah uh, was correcting our our other collaborator Alec on his because he's from Arkansas and his Irish is 
actually decent enough. Probably better um, than mine. <laughs> but uh, Hannah was correcting him on his pronunciation because with the with Irish, there's no hard. T- 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 you never your teeth never touch on your T's, so it's your your tongue kind of blocks your teeth from touching. So it's toast. It's almost like a th. Toast. 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 Scrub nothing. So it's you know. I'll um, practice it for next time. Do, do, by God. You'll have it. You'll have it in no time. The song is inspired by a concept, uh, okay. which is Tos Gubnathan, which is the Irish for Gubnath's measure. Gubnath being the saint that the song is sort of a dedication to. Okay. So St. Gubnath is the patron saint of beekeeping and smithing. Uh, she is based in... She came from Inishir, I think. I'll have to double check that. Jeez, it's so long ago now since I did all this research and I'm obsessed with this saint. But anyway, she wound up getting kicked out of her family home by her father and uh, an angel appeared to her and told her to find a place where there are nine white deer grazing. So she walked across the country and she came to Ballyvorney in Cork where she saw nine white deer and there she was told she would set up her church and she would live and she would have her parish there and she would die there and so in her time living in Ballyvorney she uh, took care of them she um, turned bees into soldiers and sent them out to protect the village she drew lines in the dirt to protect it from plague and famine she healed people um she has all these different amazing miracles attributed to her. She's just really no way. cool. She's she sounds amazing. like a badass. Yeah, she was. Yeah. She really was. I really love her. Um, so in Ballyvorney, there's a real devout kind of faith in her. There, it's it's the cult of Gubnath. So, yeah. um, every February, people come to Ballyvorney um, with a bit of ribbon and a little medieval statue of her. One of the oldest statues in the world is is wheeled out uh one of very few remaining medieval statues in ireland is wheeled out no way and people bring this length of ribbon ribbon to this blessed statue and they'll measure it along its length around its neck and around its feet and that's called governance measure so that length of ribbon is governance measure and then they'll bring that ribbon to governance tree which is just by her well up the hill and they might hang it there with a kind of an, a blessing or a wish for someone or they'll keep it themselves for protection or they might give it to someone who needs healing or protection. Imagine getting that as a gift of somebody. I actually was given... like a, No a, way! Yeah, Aoife Granville gave me a... She's actually... She was working in the Onod Kultura where we did our residency there. Um, she sent me a little length of Gubnitz ribbon um, last year for Gubnitz Day, which that's, is lovely. That's a, that's a strong love right there. Isn't that's it? brilliant. Yeah, that's gorgeous. So... Um, so yeah, I was uh, when I learned about the this ritual, Gubnitz measure. Um, whenever I, you know, I my brain, it's the magic, it's the superpower of autism and ADHD is that your brain goes off in a million different directions when you hear one thing. So mm-hmm. I heard about Gubnitz measure and I thought, measure? What's a measure? A measure of a person? What, how would you measure someone? What's a measure of a thing? Okay, so a measure of someone. If you're measuring someone, you're judging them on some kind of yeah. criteria. You've got the measure of them, and. Uh, I was thinking about then, like you know, how would Gubnet have what? W- what would she have gotten the measure of a person based on? Like, what was her criteria? Because she was a very healing, kind, generous figure. Yeah. Like, there's no fear of her. There's no shame around her. Like, it's all kindness and help and healing. So, I kind of wrote a love song, taking all of those things into account. Um, 
and the first line of it is just her measure is forgiving and from there I was like who am I talking about okay so her measure is forgiving what else do I love about like if there's someone that I love why do I love them and it's like yeah. there's someone that doesn't judge you on the shit you did in the past they don't care um, they take you as you're given like you know they, they take who they have in front of you they don't care about you know whatever choice you made last week it's it's the latest thing you chose you know it's and yeah. just sort of decided to build this image of a person who was Gubnet as a woman not who was she as a goddess or a saint who was she as a woman why was she so loved and it was that sort of like people knew they could trust her and they knew that she was kind and would help them and would take them back into her arms where however far they roamed if they came back they were welcome back kind of thing and that's kind of I, I suppose I created I took her and I took Ballyvorney as one her as a goddess her as a woman Ballyvorney as a place I, t- I kind of combined it into one thing and I was like this community this place this woman yeah. this goddess all of this is encompassed in this song that is a love song to someone who will just always take you back into their arms so yeah that's absolutely gorgeous Emma <laughs> no it is that's lovely honestly it is lovely and that was recorded with an all female mm. band is that correct yeah my friend why Gary, did you feel like yeah. that was so important to do well so the songs are all about women and uh, they deal with themes of femininity and womanhood and what it means to be a woman and so I th- I found I feel there's a real power then in every single person in the room connecting with that. Whatever yeah. about you, you can get some fun. And I have I work with incredible men who celebrate these themes all the time and live them, and embody them. But to have a room full of women who all understand the experience that's in the song, I mm-hmm. think it's really powerful. Yeah. So um. Unfortunately, I don't always have the privilege of working with large groups of women it's yeah. just in the industry the way it is it can be quite hard it's it's quite it's a it can be a limited pool in terms of the really talented ones are yeah. often in huge demand yeah um and because our industry still doesn't support a lot of women staying in the career professionally yeah a lot of women leave it so you know there's some brilliant women out there that just can't access the resources they need to still work in the industry so anyway Long story short, Gary O'Neillon came to me. He's a Dublin musician uh, who just released an album. I think it's wonderful. People should check it out. Um, we'll link it in the description. Oh my God. We will. Um, we'll do it all. Pew, pew, pew. Uh, so he came to me and he had just gotten a artist bursary from the Arts Council. And what he wanted to do with it was bring artists to Grouse Lodge. He wanted to learn under the kind of stewardship of Alex, uh, the, the in-house engineer there. He wanted to, to work under him and see how to produce great tracks in a world-class studio yeah with because it, it is world it's a world famous studio oh, grouse lodge yeah, is like. outstanding it's the only residential studio in the country and it's where michael jackson went to kind of hide away and record some bits rem have worked there muse have worked there sure uh Emma langford has worked there i mean um so the chances of me ever being able to afford to go to this place off my own back are very limited. I would need to get a bursary or some kind of funding to go there because yeah. it's, you know, it's not cheap. Um, 
But yeah, so Gary had gotten this bursary and he wanted to, to learn and he also wanted to platform women in music. So there's a few women in the industry that he really wanted to, to bring out there. So I happened to be one of them. And when we were talking through kind of the budget and what we wanted to do, I was like, well, look, honestly, a big priority for me. He wanted to do a full band recording with me. That was his thing. So okay. he was going to do like a singer songwriter, a duo and a full band. And I wanted, I wanted to do a full band. And he was like, cool, tell me who's on the band. And I was like, well, let's really lean into this. Like, let's, let's put a full female band behind this. Let's Class. showcase and spotlight women that I love, whose work I love, um, who I would love to give the opportunity to come to a studio like this and to really hear them kind of thrive and flourish. So, um, yeah, I managed to pull together this stellar Super group, like, and deadly. Yeah, we, we just created something really feckin' magical and really, really proud of it. You should be. And, like, that's that, that's you all over. Like, oh, I don't mean to blow your, your trumpet or blow your horn or whatever that <laughs> phrase is. <laughs> but, like, you, you're very, you know, you're very uplifting to the people around you, to the people, you know, that you work with, that you work, that have worked for you. Like, it's it's very nice to see. Well, I've know? learned by example. Like, I've been really lucky in, yeah. you know, when I started out, a lot of really, really, really wonderful men gave me airtime and uh, gave me opportunities but I was also uplifted a lot by some really kind um, generous women and I also grew up in a house with all women aside from my, my dad who's yeah. an absolute you know feminist um, <laughs> I you know I, I was always surrounded by empowering empowered women so Brilliant that's just it's a it's a legacy i'd like to leave myself is that like i can uplift other people and give them that environment as well and show them that there is space whatever way they identify whatever whatever their kind of you know feelings are around femininity or whatever there's a space for everyone and everyone deserves to be seen and get a chance to work in this industry so yeah, yeah i think the more the more kind of um spaces we can create for that the more healthy the industry is going to be so totally agree yeah. couldn't agree more no that's very very true Emma I believe you may or may not want to sing a song for your friend Kevin and, and everyone else of course <laughs> no, not just me you. I'm no. going to actually yeah I'm going to stop the recording <laughs> we're just going to sit here now and have a little song you guys cover <laughs> I'll, your ears I'll get the cans <laughs> uh, yeah what am I going to do what's going to do I'll leave it entirely in your own hands. I c- see. Um, Hannah has sent me the chord, <laughs> so I r- I wrote those goblets and I wrote it, and I recorded it on piano. Um, but then I gave it to Hannah, and Hannah turned it into the magical like music you hear. So we kind of sat down at the piano together, and I kind of went donk donk, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and then Hannah went. Um, this is audio gold <laughs> I love it it is it's great um, so I actually cannot play my own song yet uh, can you, uh, can you look it up on like <laughs> ultimate guitar tabs or no <laughs> I should actually go google my own song <laughs> this. she sent me the guitar chords but um, I just I haven't learned it much. I haven't learned it uh, but what I will do is I'll, I'll play I'll play Kells Bay seeing as we talked about that that would be an absolute honour there's a few other songs now off the body of work from Bally Vorney so Abigail is the first of the suite yeah. there's oh, what is it 
three more pieces that are going to be on the live in studio album oh exciting and then yeah they're they're all very different abigail for anyone that hasn't heard it yet is like when i sent when i sent gary and alex kind of references for what sounds i wanted to go for with it i was like here's like an aretha franklin track here's a wallace bird track here's a biddy joel track here's a john grant track like you know it's it's a bit of a weird (laughs) weird mix of sounds because I, th- I think it's very different than anything we- we'd heard from you before oh yeah definitely and like vocally I decided to really fuck myself um, <laughs> because if I am even a little bit poorly or my voice isn't in perfect form yeah that song is it's hell. not happening <laughs> <laughs> it'll happen but it'll just sound a bit dog rough you know um, but sure look that's just I don't want this to sound shitty Hopefully this sounds okay. Um, I don't know if the microphone's going to pick up everything perfectly. It'll probably... Ah, it'll be fine. Stretches out before your feet on the winding way down to Kells Bay, and the golden sun sets like no other, they say, on the winding way down to Kells Bay, where sorrows met with smiling eyes, and a great black cloak brushed with stars for a sky. Trees leaning there to whisper tales on the winding way down to Cal's Bay. There's a song in the heart of the people you meet on the winding way down to Cal's Bay. There's a joke to be shared and a drink to be drank on the winding way down to Cal's green carry hills overlooking the sea and the fuchsias are blooming so brightly and sweet and the ocean cut caviar is a lake on the winding way down to Cass Bay on the winding way down oh the winding way down on the winding way down to Cass Bay Chocolate, the stormy August 
Lake Meshkeen on the winding way down to Kalisberg. And when the bells then we'll all head away on the winding way down to Kalisberg, where the ocean could carry our worries away. We're on the winding way down to Kalisberg, and we'll stop for the chat down. On the winding way down to Kells Bay, and the golden sunsets like no other, they say. On the winding way down to Kells Bay, yes, the ocean could carry our worries away. On the Thank you so much for that. That was absolutely gorgeous. Thanks, As a song that I listen to pretty much every day, that was that was lovely to hear. Ah, so cheers. Thank you very much, and I'm sure everyone else. I for actually forgot that I was doing a recording thing here for a sec, <laughs> and I realised there's other people involved. It's not just you and me. We're just chilling, and I'm serenading <laughs> you. This is what yeah, happens. <laughs> this is what happens every Monday. Um, yeah, no, thank you. That was that was gorgeous. Um, yeah, I'm all, all emotional now because it's, it's lovely. Thank you. Uh, we'll jump into the quick fire round, if that's okay. okay, uh, okay. So quick fire round is just like bang, bang, bang. First thing that comes to your mind. And oh, God. Okay. I know. And I say quick, but, uh, you know, it's grand. You know, mm -hmm. If you need to elaborate on these things, just just do you. Okay. Uh, okay. And I hope I have them in the same order as I had last week. But, I mean, it's not guaranteed, but it doesn't matter. It's the same questions anyway, because that's... That, that's the concept of these. Okay, so question one. Uh, what's one song you have on repeat at the moment? Why Am I Like This by Orla Gartland. Ooh, very good shout. Mm. Very good shout. Nice one. Uh, what has been your favourite venue slash country to perform in so far? <gasps> oh, really good question. Oh, my favourite venue. Oh, God. Oh, Jesus. Um... There's like they're all thing is because I'm such a uh, because of where I'm at in my career, uh, the venues vary wildly. Yeah. So there are things I love about so many. Like I love the Whale Theatre because it feels like I'm in a speakeasy. Yeah. And it's all candles and velvet and red and plush and then I love Levis's and um in uh, Ballydehob because it's a 200 year old country house bar Amazing. shop that's been turned into a venue where you're playing behind the bar and everyone is just sitting on boxes and benches and Class. school chairs and there's a dining room next door where the artists are fed by Joe and Caroline like at the end of the that night that sounds amazing then I love like the Duncairn in Belfast because it's an art centre where they host AA meetings and craft workshops and then they have gigs that are all about social activism and you can have a gig where only 50 people are allowed to come and everyone pays a tenner and everyone gets wine and tapas and you don't know who's playing but it's all around a certain theme no you know, way like that so sounds amazing you never know who you're gonna like so 
and then I go to America and I play in Virginia on the lawn of like this mansion in a marquee and everyone there is just stone mad they don't know who you are but they're stone mad to see like this random Irish cracked woman come over and play <laughs> tunes and I meet like the illustrator for some of my favourite graphic novels randomly because he's just there at the gig no you know? way so like there's there's it's yeah. so hard to call because everywhere has a magic to it yeah um, I love that so, love it yeah my, I mean it, it definitely wasn't uh, a quick fire response <laughs> but it was definitely <laughs> hey I answered it, quick I just didn't answer quickly <laughs> it was perfect no it was perfect thank you very much um, what's one non-music related item you couldn't be on the road without my kindle ooh okay and probably my glasses because I need them to read it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they kind of go hand in hand yeah um any, any good book recommendations for the people listening? I'm currently reading Kevin Barry's series of short stories, There Are Little Kingdoms, and it is a beautiful book. It's just a series of slice-of-life stories that are poetry from start to finish. So, Kevin Barry's There Are Little Kingdoms, definitely. Nice. Nice. Thank you very much. Uh, now, this is like, it's it's your cheesy, generic question, but if there was one piece of advice you could give to any buddy musician listening, what would that be? No. Quit uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um no go, no. Go, go uh, work as a waitress. <laughs> um God. Uh Jesus. There's a million things I would love for young budding musicians to know and to think about and to be aware of. Um I mean I guess the main thing is to just keep going literally like it it is so hard sometimes and you constantly feel like giving up and there are so many days where you think it'd be so much easier to do a nine to five and to not have to do this thing that is in your bones yearning to be realized um you you just have to keep going and if you do you'll get there that's you know the only way through the only way to the end is through you have to stay on the road to get to the end of the road the only way to the end is through I love that like you just you know it's things will happen and you will meet people and you will build a community and you will write better and more like you might hit dry patches and feel like you're never going to write another song in your life and those times will happen over and over again and you will want to give up over and over again but you have to just stick with it that's awesome that's it. that is awesome I love that I want to become a singer again now <laughs> do it podcast is done after two episodes sorry lads <laughs> um, once again another kind of cheesy one but it's very interesting if you could collaborate with anyone dead or alive who would it be um, Jeff Buckley oh, what an answer Yeah. what an answer I've always been in love with his voice. I love his voice so much. Ridiculous. He's so good. Yeah. There's also, there's a songwriter who no longer writes songs. um, And I'm very sad about it. There's a band called One Day International. They were my musical education. When I I lived in Galway very briefly and randomly stumbled into the Roisin Dove one night when I was hammered. And this band were on stage and they 
pulled me through what they were doing to be a musician. No like, way. I saw them on stage. You just felt it, like I came away from that gig knowing that music was going to be my life. That's pretty impressive. I didn't know impressive. how. I didn't know what I was going to do. I wanted to write a review. I didn't write. I wasn't a writer. I was like, I'm going to write a review of this gig. I don't know who's going to read it. I just need to somehow put into words what this gig meant to me. Um, and this was pre-Twitter and pre, you know, wasn't really a thing then. Um, Bebo, probably. Maybe. I might have put it on Bebo. Maybe. On your flashbox? Entirely possible. <laughs> um so this this band One Day International, I can't think of the lead singer's name. He's Australian, I wanna say. And he is now a cricket pundit. He's given up oh, no music. Way. He doesn't like he just and his band are villagers. Like they're the band from Villagers. Oh, okay. And then Emer, who is a stunt woman and cellist and Declan O'Rourke's wife. Is was the cellist in this band? Is that uh, stunt woman, cellist, and Declan O'Rourke's wife all in the same all person? All in one person. <laughs> yes. Class. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love her. I love her so much. Uh, yeah, this outstanding, incredible band, and the music was so. I would love if he would come back and just co-write some songs with me because the one way day he international. Writes, yeah, the way he writes is just it just touches something in my brain and heart that I it's unfathomable it's just beautiful so yeah class that's brilliant I'm definitely going to check them out as well. like do they have like would there be plenty of stuff for me they to get stuck into one long-ish album I don't know if they okay. have much else outside of that I don't think they ever released any singles outside of that album they just put this album out and that was it and they did like Studio 8 sessions in RT and they did like ah brilliant FM and Today FM stuff and then just vanished never to be seen again it's nothing worse there is nothing worse yeah. so Jeff Buckley and One Day International Jeff yeah. Buckley though like oh. mm. yeah what a, what a voice oh every time I think about the fact that he no longer lives on this plane I am yeah. so sad I know mm. he was one of the ones that kind of back when I was in school like no one listened to apart from this one lad and he was like oh listen to this lad I was like yeah right go on then <laughs> and he was absolutely amazing yeah like I mean satisfied mind like, dear god how good is that okay uh, can you share an exclusive or a surprise for our listeners that no one else knows yet can I uh, what is going on in my life um, I, don't, I don't think so I kind of I talk a lot about everything I'm ever doing you do like. you're an open book in fairness that's <laughs> I don't have any secrets you, do, you, you don't uh, have to have one I probably do have something, but I just can't. I can't think what it is. You it's can sure you can you can tweet it out later. It's grand. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, and okay. Uh, last but not least, what's your favorite podcast? Listen to see this is where you're supposed to say mine, but you have a podcast too. So I'm gonna go know. with neither. Okay, fair. I'm gonna go neither. I'm gonna say, oof, there's a couple. I I'm not a big podcast listener. Oh yeah, um, okay. But I do enjoy Song Exploder very good song exploder yes it's a really okay. cool way of hearing some of your favorite artists break down the production process behind their songs so like no MGMT way. talk about how they wrote kids and amy mann talks about her process behind writing her songs and stuff and like you know big names breaking down all the various elements of their songs okay i'm um, soul on that that sounds very, unreal really good podcast um my dad wrote a porno is, is easily this, 
Is this a separate <laughs> conversation? <laughs> I'm also, joking, I'm also, we're in therapy now. Um, <laughs> My Dad Wrote a Porno is an excellent podcast that I think everyone should should listen to if they they particularly want to uh, cry laughing on public transport I recommend I it. love crying on public transport it's the best and my friends in Belfast have a podcast called Mad Notions that I thoroughly enjoy amazing um, and they break down kind of urban myths and urban legends around the music industry and they share stories of various kind of big historical mad scandals that happened in the music industry but through the lens of two slightly unhinged young men from Cork and Oma based in Belfast deadly um, yeah they're and that's mad notions is it mad notions Mick McCullough and Nathan O'Regan Nathan O'Regan is a fabulous musician he's also the crankiest man on the planet and Mick McCullough is a scriptwriter and comedian and musician and is hilarious and the two of them just bounce off each other so well it's so funny so amazing that's brilliant Jeez, that, that's me sorted for next week anyway. there you go now that's all you're listening <laughs> to uh, yeah exactly happy days Emma that's it we've reached the end of the quickfire round and the end of our conversation Aww. really which is a bit sad but also let's just stay here all night it'll be fine I'll get the wine it'll be great do it do <laughs> it do it uh, no listen thank you so much um, and I mean that deeply because that was amazing it was exactly what I'd hoped for and more so that's always a plus and I really hope everyone who listens will go and buy tickets because you're playing loads aren't you yeah well I've got a, I've, I've only got a handful of Irish gigs coming up um, I've decided to keep it quite quite stripped back this year in terms of gigs in Ireland the first one is Daughters of the Pirate Queen on the National Concert Hall stage on the 8th of March then the 16th of March I'm playing Kilkenny Tradfest in Clears Bar and Theatre, so that's going to be gorgeous. Um, then the what's the next one? Let me just check my calendar because I'm going to forget something very important. <laughs> um, the 16th is Kilkenny. Uh, the 24th, I'm playing in Waterford in Ferrybank, which is almost Kilkenny. Um, it's yeah, it's literally right on the on the border uh, in the Shanty Bar. Uh, 25th I'm in Belfast at the Duncairn 26th I'm in Monaghan at the 1881 in Smithborough Ballyduff uh, 31st I'm in Ballynacally in County Clare at the Estuary Sessions on the 1st of April I'm in Tech Amergan in Waterville in Kerry and that is me for Ireland love that you said you're taking it easy but you just like listed off for like 10 well, weeks well compared <laughs> with compared with uh, so my version of taking it easy is like just not jumping all over the place over yes. the course of months and months which really really knocked me out the past couple of years so I'm doing one concerted month of touring in Ireland where I've got like these handful of gigs they're geographically sound uh, nice. and then I've got um, playing in Night and Day Fest in Boyle in Roscommon in June which is one of the loveliest festivals I've ever attended in my life I went there last year and this year I'm playing on the I'm playing a headline slot on the main stage class and I'm very excited about that. And then I'm off to Germany for three weeks in April and May doing, I think it's currently what it's looking like is six, 17 gigs in 19 days. You're so some woman. Oh, that'll be fun. <laughs> that, yeah. that will be fun. It will be fun. It'll be amazing. Yeah. Uh, but you'll be a very, very sleepy lady when you get home. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody talked to me on the uh, 8th. 9th and 10th of May <laughs> <laughs> I'll need those three days to curl up in a ball and die so, totally understandable Yeah, at least it's a Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday I don't think anyone really wants to 
talk to anyone on a Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. Oh, oh, it's so awkward. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, but uh, no, because it's, it's really it's Friday, remember? Oh yeah, it's Friday. So it's not really Monday. Uh, and Emma, for people who want to go find you on socials and find out gig information and all of those lovely things, where do they find you? Uh, my website's probably the best bet. So emmalangfordmusic.com forward slash tour is where you'll get all my gigs. Um, you can find me on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. Just look for Emma Langford Music, E Langford Music on Twitter, but Emma Langford Music everywhere else. Um, and I'm also on TikTok. I don't really use it that much, but I'm there. Do and you dance? No. <laughs> uh, actually, Do that's a lie. Kind of full circle, that's a lie. Know? There is one video of me dancing, but it's not a TikTok dance. It's just okay. me in a kitchen, drunk. Class. So, um, honestly, some of my finest moves, if anyone wants to see them, they're in that video. So happy days yeah emma you are the best thanks kevin you're the best you're the best thank you so much everybody thank you for listening and we'll be back again next week well emma will be well, no. well she might be no yeah but well, i'll definitely be back next week anyway. <laughs> right. take care everybody love you all bye